Thanks, Allie. A person's last word is really kind of a window into their heart. It helps us understand what's going on in their world and in their life. So listen to some last words from a 26-year-old woman named Holly Butcher who is about to die of cancer and see if you agree with this whole idea. She writes this. It's a long post she put on uh, social media. It says, It's a strange thing to realize and accept your mortality at age 26. It's one of those things that you kind of ignore. The days tick by, and you just expect they're going to keep on coming until the unexpected happens. She said, I always imagined myself growing old, wrinkled, and gray, most likely caused by the beautiful family with lots of kiddos I'd planned on building with the love of my life. She said, I I want that. It hurts so bad. That's the thing about life. It's fragile, precious, and unpredictable, and each day is a gift, not a given right. She said, I'm 27 now, and I don't want to go. I love my life. I'm happy. I owe that to my loved ones. But the control is out of my hands. I haven't started this note uh, before I die so that death is feared. I like the fact that we're mostly ignorant to its inevitability, except when I want to talk about it and it's treated like a taboo topic. That, like it's never going to happen to any of us. That's been the toughest part. I just want people to stop worrying so much about the small, meaningless stresses in life And try to remember that we all have the same fate after all. So do what you can to make your time worthy and great, minus all the crap. She said, I've dropped lots of my thoughts here uh, over the last few months. And of course, it's in the middle of the night when I seem to get most of these things in my head. Most of the time that when you're whining, she says, about ridiculous things, something she's noticed over the last several months, think about someone who's really facing a problem. Be grateful for your minor issues and get over it. It's okay to acknowledge that something is annoying, but try not to carry on about it so it negatively affects other people. She says, once you do that, get out there, take a big breath of that fresh air, deep in your lungs. Look how blue the sky is and how green the trees are. It's so beautiful. She said, think about how lucky you are able to just do that, breathe. You might not have caught, you might have got caught in bad traffic, you may have had bad sleep, Maybe because of your beautiful babies kept you awake. Maybe your hairdresser cut your hair too short. Maybe your new fake nails have a chip on them. She said, let all that stuff go. She said, I swear to you, you will not be thinking of those things when it's your turn to go. It's also insignificant when you look at it as the whole. She said, I'm, washing, I'm watching my body just waste away right before my eyes with nothing I can do about it. And all I wish for now is that I could have just one more birthday. One more Christmas with my family. Or just one more day with my partner and dog. Just one more. I hear people complaining about how terrible work is or how hard it is to exercise. She says, be grateful you're able to do that. Work and exercise may seem like a trivial thing until your body doesn't allow you to do either one of them. I've tried to live a healthy life. In fact, that was probably my major passion, she said. Appreciate your good health and functioning body, even if it isn't your ideal size. Look after it and embrace it for how amazing it is. Move with it. Nourish it. Feed it with fresh food. Don't obsess over it. Remember, there are more aspects to good health than the physical body. Work hard on your mental, emotional, and spiritual happiness too. That way you might realize just how insignificant and unimportant having this stupidity portrayed perfect social media body really is. 
While on the topic, she says, delete any account that pops up in your newsfeed that gives you any sense of feeling crappy about yourself. She said, friends or not, be ruthless for your own well-being. Be grateful each day you don't have pain. And even the days where you are unwell with, with the man cold, I take offense to that. If you don't know what the man cold is, go to YouTube, just put in man cold, and you're welcome in advance. She said, a sore back or a sprained ankle, accept it and be thankful that it isn't threatening and it will go away. Wine less people and help each other more. Give, give, give. It's true that you gain more happiness doing things for others than doing them for yourself, she said. I wish I did this more, she said. Since I've been sick, I've met the most incredibly giving and kind people and been the receiver of the most thoughtful and loving words and support from my family, friends, and strangers. More than I could ever do in return. I will never forget this and will be forever grateful to all these people. She said, it's a weird thing having money to spend at the end when you're dying. It's not a time when you go out and buy material things that you usually would, like a new dress. It makes you think how silly it is that we think it's worth spending so much money on new clothes and things in our lives. Buy something instead for your friends instead of another dress, beauty products or jewelry. So no one cares if you wear the same thing twice. Feels good. Take them out for a meal. Or better yet, cook them a meal. Give them or buy them a plan, a massage, or a candle. And when you give it to them, tell them you love them every time you give them a gift. Value other people's time. Don't keep, don't keep them waiting because you're crappy on being on time. Get ready earlier if you're one of those people. And appreciate your friends who want to spend time with you, not sit by themselves waiting on you. You will gain their respect to you. She said, this year our family agreed no presents for Christmas. Despite the tree looking rather sad and empty, she said, I almost cracked on Christmas Eve. She said it was so nice because people didn't have the pressure of shopping and the effort went into writing a nice card for each other. Plus, imagine my family buying a present knowing they're going to end up with it themselves anyway. Strange. It might seem lame, but those cards mean more to me than any impulse purchase could. Mind you, it was easier in our house because we didn't have little kids. Anyway, moral of the story, presents are not needed for a meaningful Christmas. Moving on, she says, use your money on experiences. Or at least don't miss out on the experiences because spend all your money on material things. Put in the effort to do that day trip to the beach you've been putting off. Dig your feet in the water. Dig your toes deep into the sand. Wet your face with salt water. Get amongst nature. Just enjoy being in those moments rather than capturing them through the screen of your phone. It isn't meant, life isn't meant to be lived through a screen on your phone, nor is it about getting that perfect photo. Enjoy the bloody moment. Stop trying to capture it for everyone else. Get up early sometimes. Listen to the birds while you watch the beautiful colors the sun makes as it rises. Listen to music. Really listen. Music is therapy. Old is best. I agree. Cuddle your dog. Far out. I'll miss that, she says. Talk to your friends. Put down your phone. Are they doing okay? Travel if you desire. Don't if you don't. Work to live. Don't live to work. Seriously, do what makes your heart feel happy. Eat the cake. Zero guilt. Say no to things you don't really want to do. Don't feel pressure to do what other people might think is a fulfilling life. You might want a mediocre life, and that's okay. Tell your loved ones you love them every time you get the chance and love them with everything you have. And also, remember, if something is making you miserable, 
you have the power to change it in work or love or whatever it may be. Have the guts to change. You don't know how much time you have on this earth, so don't waste it being miserable. He said, I know that's said all the time, but it couldn't be more true. Anyway, that's just one young gal's life advice. Take it or leave it. I don't mind. Oh, and one last thing she said. If you can, do a good deed for humanity and start donating blood regularly. So it'll make you feel good, and the added bonus is you save lives. This which caught me. I haven't really thought about blood donation much, but when I read this, it kind of hit home. She said, blood donation, more bags than she could keep count of, helped her live an extra year. A year she'll be forever grateful for that, for that she got to spend on earth with her family and friends and dog. A year, she said, she had some of the greatest times of her life. And she says, till we meet again, Holly. I mean, what do you think? I think it's a pretty good capture of what's going on in this woman's heart and what's going on in her life. Well, today we're going to look through another window. One not as gloom and doom as this one was, but through the Apostle Paul who writes a letter to Peter, and he is on the tail end of his life. Some of the last recorded words that we have of the Apostle Paul. But before we get there, let's pray. God, just come right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, would you just rest on us and remind us, God, that we have a life to live, that we're not guaranteed tomorrow, so help us make today as best as we can for you. So come, open up our minds, our eyes, and our ears for what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. My name is Andy. If I haven't introduced myself yet, I am one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, all kinds of free stuff back there, mugs, books, Bibles. Be sure to grab one of those on your way out. If you're joining us online, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're headed to 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you're following along on our disciples' Bibles, and again, they're absolutely free. You can get up and grab one now. You will not be distracting to me, or you can grab one on your way out. We're in our last series, our last Sunday of our series, House Arrest, where the Apostle Paul, who writes most in the New Testament, has found himself in house arrest. But he doesn't allow that fact to change what God is doing in him or what God is doing through him. So he writes these letters to different churches and to different people that we now have captured in our Bible, and they continue to speak and challenge and encourage us. And as I mentioned, we're headed to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Again, these are some of the last recorded words of the Apostle Paul. He's used the first three chapters of this letter to Timothy to remind him to continue on, to be strong in the face of opposition, to encourage Timothy to of continue the work of God that God has called him to, to remember that this truth of Jesus, to remain true to the teachings that he's received, to stay true to who he is in Jesus and not revert back to his old self or old ways. In chapter 3, Paul reminds Timothy of the difficult times that are coming ahead. How people in the community are going to go back to kind of their old ways and false practices. And the last few verses in chapter 3, Timothy reminds us and Timothy of the power of God's word. And this is how it's captured. It says, all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. And that's the purpose of Scripture. It's to prepare us and equip us for everything, every good thing that God has or wants us to do. Timothy carried a heavy responsibility in Ephesus, in the city that he found himself in. But 
through his committed faith, through his reliance on God's word, he was capable and proficient to continue on to meet all the duties that God had called him to. This is why we individually need to read our Bibles and study our Bibles, so that we will know God's word and we can continue God's word and work in the world. Knowledge of God's word isn't enough. It's useless unless it strengthens our faith and it leads to action, application, good deeds. Then Paul moves into some of his final words in his own letter to a friend. And I'm going to read the entire section, then we're going to go back and kind of pick it apart a little bit. But I want you to imagine for a moment that you've received this letter that we're going to look at. You've received these words. You're a good friend of Paul. And you're listening to some of the last recorded words of your, your friend who's about to die. Listen to some, for some key promises. Listen for the encouraging words, the warnings, the commands. This is what he says. He says, I solemnly charge you before God and Jesus Christ, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and turn aside from this. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardships. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all of those who have loved his appearing. Now, I counted two promises, five commands, one encouragement, and two warnings. The first verse gives us the first promise. It said, I solemnly charge you before God and Jesus Christ, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom. Paul said that Jesus is the one who's going to judge, both the living and the dead. And this is the promise, that he's going to be the ultimate judge. We are not the judge, Jesus is. And because of that, we should be bold in our faith and belief that Jesus is going to take care of the things he needs to take care of. right? But also it's a reminder that since we aren't the judge, we need to make sure we're telling as many people as we can about the coming judge and his mercy and grace that he offers. This is where Paul, in the next verse, gives us three commands. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. Command number one, preach the word. That's really easy to think. Well, that's what Andy does on Sunday mornings on a stage in front of people, right? Preach the word here actually means to proclaim, to make known. In other words, proclaim who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and what Jesus continues to do. Make Jesus known in your own community, in the relationships that you have, in the community that God's surrounding you with. This isn't a a one-way kind of a thing. It isn't just somebody on a stage teaching somebody. We proclaim Jesus. We make him known in all kinds of ways. For people who are, who are struggling, who share their struggles, and we pray for them, that's the way we make Jesus known. Telling people what God has done in our lives 
And through our lives is a way we proclaim Jesus and make Jesus known. Telling people how much Jesus loves them, showing people how important our faith is. I mean, a few weeks ago, I was in uh, Starbucks in Blue Ash on Kimwood Road waiting for my mobile order. And a guy strikes up a conversation. He's got a dentist appointment that he's going to later that day. And he's really, like, he's nervous about it. So my name gets called. I grab my coffee. I call him by his name. Hey, Dave. Otherwise, that'd be weird if I called him by a different name. Hey, Dave, I'm going to be praying for you. And so I walked out, and I did pray for him on my way to my car. I only wish I had prayed for him in the moment right there. But I made Jesus known. A few weeks ago, I saw him again and asked him about it. But that's the way we make Jesus known. Command number two, be ready. Be ready in season and out of season, it said. That means be persistent. Don't wait for the perfect conditions. Not only are we to make Jesus known, we proclaim his goodness, but we're to always do it. Always be ready. Not when it feels right to us, but always Here's the reality. Some seasons produce more fruit than others, right? But oftentimes, we have to plant the seed before we get the harvest. And we get this. If you try to just go out there and throw seed on really hard soil, you're not going to get much results. We know, like, hey, we got to break it up. we got to get the rake out, dig it up, get the soil turned over, throw the seed down, and then should lightly rake it, get the soil-to-seed contact, then water it, and then it'll start to germinate. It's, that's the best way you're going to get grass to grow. You have to get that soil-to-seed contact. But we don't always see what the germination process is. We, we don't get to see that. We only see it when it sprouts up. But the germination process is when it starts to, to grow underneath the ground, and then it pops up, and we get to see the fruits of our labor. We play a part in the process, but we don't make the grass grow, right? Well, we're a part of people's faith journey as well. We don't make their faith grow, but we can be a part of breaking up the hardening of their heart. We can throw the seeds of God's love in their lives. We can water the seeds, but we can't make their faith grow. Only God, only Jesus does that. We're simply called to proclaim who Jesus is, what Jesus did, no matter where we think they are, in the process, because we don't always know where they are. So we have to be ready to introduce others to Jesus. The third command is this. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. This doesn't mean that we're supposed to like call all the wrong things out that people are doing, right? It does mean we show them when they kind of journey off their path. Maybe they're doing things they're not really aware of. Then it's our roles as brothers and sisters in Christ to kind of get them back on the right path. Again, this isn't calling them out. It's loving them back. I find it personally easier to genuinely, authentically, and lovingly ask them questions. For example, hey, are you doing all right? You don't seem like yourself. Hey, I noticed when you did whatever it is that they did, I was a bit surprised by that. It's not like your normal character. What's going on? Hey, can I talk to you? I want to talk to you about that thing you said. Can you help me understand why you said it? It seemed out of character from what I've seen in the past. right? It also said to encourage. Fan the flames. Look for people doing something right. Look for growth in their life, specifically in their faith journey. And then point it out to them. 
and be ready to do this, it said, in season or out. Encourage people, even when you may not be in the best place with them relationally. Be patient with them, even when they struggle to return the favor or if it seems like they're just not learning as quickly as we would like them to, right? Be patient. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's produced by God. It comes through our time and our relationship with Him. We don't just get patience. When we, then there's the two warnings that he talks about. He says, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and turn aside to myths. So warning, a time's going to come when people aren't going to listen to sound doctrine, which is biblical truths. Instead, they're going to follow what they want to hear. They're going to surround them people that make them feel like they're right. When, when they're no longer going to listen to the sound doctrines of what Scripture says and how we're to live our lives, they're going to just find the itch. They're going to scratch that itch with whatever they can find to make them feel good about themselves. This is happening now. We see this now in our own in our own country, maybe in our own communities, where people are drifting from God's truth, scratching their own itch of their selfless desires. They seek comfort, not growth. It's a warning for us to be on guard and not wander away from the truth. We have to be careful who we surround ourselves with. And then the then comes the last two commands. It says, but as for you, Paul's telling Timothy, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardships. Nobody wants to do that. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So command number four, exercise self-control in everything and endure hardships. This is easier said than done. It's like telling my 10-year-old not to overreact or upset, get upset when things don't go his way, right? Like he's 10. He's not mature enough to understand how to do this in a very healthy manner. I think this is interesting that he points this out. Because if people had self-control, wouldn't they already be exercising it, right? Self-control is the last fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5.23. Again, this is something that is produced in us by God. To exercise. That means to work at it, right? Like most mornings, I get up at 5 a.m., I'm at the rec center 6.15, working out for, 15, for 45 minutes. There's a lot of mornings I don't want to do it, but I'm getting stronger. Some exercises are getting easier. Not easy, but easier. This is what it means to exercise, work at it. When we have this desire that may be counter to what Scripture says or what God tells us to do, this is when we invite God into the equation. We ask God for help. We work it out. We wrestle with it. We, we seek God's spirit. We look at God's word. We seek wise counsel. We pray about it. This exercising of self-control helps us endure hardships. And then command number five, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For Timothy, it was to continue what he was doing, leading the churches. For us, it's much the same. An evangelist is someone who proclaims the good news about Jesus. It's someone who simply tells, again, people, tells people who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and what he's doing. That's for all of us. That ministry is for every one of us. Some of us may be more gifted in it than others, but we're all called to the same ministry. 
Some of us listening may even be called into ministry, paid or not. But we're all called to tell people about Jesus. This is the last command Jesus gave to his disciples as he ascends into heaven in Matthew 28, 19, which said, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. As a follower of Jesus, as one of his disciples, we're called to do the same. And then the final promise and encouragement is found in the final three verses. It says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, Paul is saying. And the time for my departure is close. His life's about to end. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This is reserved. There is reserved for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all of those who have loved his appearing. The promise, there's reserved a crown of righteousness that will be given by God. Paul was on trial in Rome. And he had been through his first hearing and knew that his time on this earth was coming to a close. But he wasn't afraid of death. Offering here, being poured out on the altar, it's like being poured out on the altar as a, as a drink offering. In effect, Paul was saying, Caesar's not going to kill me. That's not what's going to I'm going to give my life as a sacrifice to Jesus. I've been living, I've been a living sacrifice, serving Jesus since the day he was saved. And now he will complete that sacrifice by laying down his life for him. The word departure here is a beautiful word that has many meanings. Again, the translation is often lost from the Greek language to our English, English language. It means to hoist, anchor, and set sail. Paul was looking at death as a release from this world, as an opportunity to set sail in eternity. But the word also means to take down a tent. And this parallels, if you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul is comparing death of believers to the taking down of a tent in order to receive a permanent glorified body. But departure also means loosing of a prisoner. Paul was not facing you know, execution or, or restraint. He was going to be released into the new heavens, into the new kingdom with his Lord and Savior. Paul had been in service for many years. Now his master would release him and promote him to a higher service. This is our promise, not just for him, an encouragement to what's waiting for each and every one of us. There is reserved for me, Paul said, a crown of righteousness, which is the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, he said, but to all of those who have loved his appearing. This is why, this is why he said preach the word. This is why we preach the word and point people to God's word. This is why we have to be ready in season and in out, whether we want to or not. This is why we rebuke, we correct, and we encourage with great patience. This is why we are ready for those who seek what they want to hear and we try to steer them back to the right path. Right? This is why we exercise. We work it out. We exercise self-control with the help of God. This is why we do the work we're called to do and we tell people about who Jesus is and his mercy and his grace. And in the end, we get what we do not deserve. We receive this crown that we cannot earn. It's a crown fit for a king. A crown that signifies our part in God's kingdom. And it all starts with our desire to know and love who Jesus is. 
And these are the final words that Paul gives before he's given his crown. Imagine if we lived our lives as he encouraged. The, what, what final words? If we lived our life at, like Paul just lined out, like this letter from a friend that we received, if we lived these out in our own lives, when our day is done, what words would be used when our time on earth has passed? Because the reality is, as Holly said earlier, as Paul's stating here, our days are, are numbered. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. The question is, how will we make those days count? How will we live out this calling that God has called us to? What will our lives look like? How will we approach and view our time as it comes to a close? This is Paul's encouragement to Timothy, and he's encouraging Timothy to tell everybody else that he has influence with. And this is our encouragement to you as you go back to your world, your relationships, your workplace, your families, your places of interest, the hobbies you're involved in. Grab your Connect card that Allie talked about. And again, I said this a few weeks ago, if you're not filling this out, shame on you, first of all. Write your name on here. If this is your first or second time here, only fill out what you're comfortable with. But if you're somebody that calls Blue Ash home, you should be filling this thing out every day because we believe, every Sunday, because we believe God has the next step for you. And by simply filling out your name, we believe what you're saying is, God, I believe you have a next step for me. And I look over these. We pray over these. If you have a prayer request, you can write it down here. I'm going to offer you some next steps. You may have one that God's already prompted in you. Maybe it was during worship. Maybe it's something else that somebody else said. Write that down there. If it doesn't match one of ours, drop it in the offering. We'll follow up where it's appropriate. But the first next step is, next step is this. Accept Jesus for the first time. Maybe today's the day. You're like, you know what? I have been kind of scratching the itch of what I wanted to hear in my own life. I've been the author of my own life. I've tried to do it all on my own. I've tried to pursue all the things that I want, and I'm still empty. I'm still not fulfilled. That's because you can't get fulfilled. There's always going to be a void. Jesus is the gap filler in our lives, in everything that we do and everything that we are. So if you've accepted that, if you accepted that truth and you accepted Jesus for the first time, note that on your Connect card. Drop it in the offering when it goes by. We'll follow up with you. You're not meant to do this alone. We want to get some resources in your hand. And be sure to grab a Bible if you don't have one. The second next step is this. Make our days count and how we pursue and live out what God's word and his spirit reveals to us. This happens in the quietness when we do our quiet time, when we're doing the reading plan. This happens when you're a community and you're talking about the things that God's doing in your lives. You're sharing the good and the bad of your faith. This happens when you're just quiet and you're listening for God's voice. This is why you need to do the trainings so that you can be better equipped to hear God in the quietness, to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. This happens when you journal. There's lots of ways these things happen when God's word is revealed and his spirit is revealed to us. And then what do we do with it? How do we make that our days count? The third is receive prayer. You can write your prayer request on the back of this Connect card and drop it in the offering. There's a prayer wall in the back. You can grab a tag, write down your prayer requests. If you want the whole church to see that prayer request, make sure everybody can see it, the writing facing out. If you just want the prayer teams and the staff to see it, make sure the writing's facing the wall. We pray for those as well. I think the best way to 
receive prayers, receive it in person. We'll have prayer teams up here to my right and the back corner on the left. Come back with any prayer request. If you have a praise request, we'd love to know where God's moving in your life. If there's somebody specific in your community, you're like, you know what, I want to proclaim Jesus. I want to live out my faith more boldly. Let's pray for that person. If there's something going on in your lives, if you find yourself longing to to be something that God is calling you to be, but you're just afraid to cross that line of fear and pursue it. We'd like to pray for you with that. Whatever's going on in your life, we'd be honored to pray. If you're watching online, I encourage you to pray for one another. And the fourth is our memory verse. Last week, hopefully you guys have spent some time. We encourage you to, again, we do memory verses so you can write God's truth, God's word on our heart. Get into the word till the word gets into us. This is what this one is. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a great verse to have written on our hearts as a reminder that in everything, we present our requests to God. And then the peace of God rests on us. If you grabbed your communion elements, now's the time to take those out. You're going to go ahead and receive our offering if you want to drop in your Connect cards. If you didn't grab a communion element and you'd like one, by all means, you can still get up and get one. But we do this in remembrance of who Jesus is and what Jesus did for each and every one of us. And the wafer represents his body that was broken for us. He willingly walks to the cross on our behalf. His body was broken on our behalf. He gave up his life. They didn't take it on our behalf. His blood was shed, which the juice represents for our sin. He was the perfect atoning sacrifice. He lived the life that we couldn't so that we could live the life that he has for us. Let me pray. God, thanks for these closing words from Paul. God, I would just pray for everybody listening that we wouldn't wait till we're diagnosed with something. We wouldn't wait till our days, we know our days are numbered when we know that our time is on this earth is over, much like Paul, much like Holly, to try to live the life that we would live then. Help us to live that life now. Give us the perspective of Holly, that we would live our lives with such energy, with such purpose, in her closing days, in her closing years, help us to live it starting right now for however many days you have for us. Help us to be bold. Help us to be courageous. Not in some weird way, but in a, in a loving way. In our, the personality that you gave us. God, I don't want to be somebody else. I want to be the man that you created me to be. Help us to live out our lives as you have for us. God, it's hard to fathom sometimes that you were perfect. You were God. You, you walked amongst your people. And then you gave up your life willingly. God, help us to feel the weight of that. And not in some guilt or shame, but in this exciting way that you believe in us so much. You sent your spirit. The same spirit that was in Jesus is in us so that we can just rest in you. God, that your love is endless. 
your spirit is endless. Help us to remember who you are and what you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Be free to sit or stand and receive prayer.